Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littner, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And my friend Jeremiah is one of my favorite prophets. He was a man of such great feelings, characterized by empathy, love, and compassion for his people, even when he was so terribly mistreated by many of them. I look at Jeremiah, and I think, he is so human. We know that he was there when Judah was taken captive by the Babylonians. Even though the army of Egypt had tried to help the Jews in conflict against them, they could not prevail. The Jews were now slaves once again to a godless, idolatrous people. Turning to Lamentations chapter 1, we'll look at verses 1 through 4. And you know you almost have to be made out of rock to fail to feel the emotion of Jeremiah as he laments the once great city of Jerusalem. How could such a city of reputation and countless blessings from God have reached such a noble end? Here's how the book begins. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. She has become like a widow who was once great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a forced laborer. She weeps bitterly in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. She has none to comfort her among all her lovers. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile under affliction and under harsh servitude. She dwells among the nations, but she has found no rest. All her pursuers have overtaken her in the midst of distress. The roads of Zion are in mourning because no one comes to the appointed feasts. All her gates are desolate. Her priests are groaning, her virgins are afflicted, and she herself is bitter. Many places flourish for a time, then become desolate. But Jerusalem had long been a very special city, and that this city should have become desolate is tragic. Again, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. Let's talk about Jerusalem a little bit. Although it had been of some importance before, the city of Jerusalem became the center of things when David ruled as king over Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 54 tells us that it was to Jerusalem that David took the head of the giant Goliath, a symbol of his victory over the Philistines. Consider 2 Samuel chapter 5 verses 4 through 9, where we find the following. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem he reigned thirty-three years over all Israel and Judah. Now the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, 
And they said to David, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame shall turn you away, thinking David cannot enter here. Nevertheless, David captured the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. And David said on that day, Whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him reach the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul through the water tunnel. Therefore they say, The blind or the lame shall not come into the house. So David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around the Malo and inward. And by the way, the Malo would have been the citadel, the stronghold of the city. Made the center of the government of Israel, Jerusalem was to become the religious center of the people. Here David offered the sacrifice that was to cleanse Israel from the plague of their rebellion, the account of which we can read in 2 Samuel chapter 24. Jerusalem was the city to which David brought back the Ark of the Covenant. That is found in 2 Samuel chapter 6. When David turned the government over to his son Solomon, he gave instructions to him about building the house of the Lord. Even though it had been David's desire to build it, David said in 1 Chronicles chapter 28 verses 6 and 7 the following, And he said to me, your son Solomon is the one who shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be a son to me, and I will be a father to him. And I will establish his kingdom forever, if he resolutely performs my commandments and my ordinances, as is done now. When Solomon became king, he began immediately the building of the temple of God in the city of Jerusalem, as he had been instructed. In 2 Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1 we read, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David, at the place that David had prepared, on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Over in chapter 5 and verse 1 we find, Thus all the work that Solomon performed for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things that David his father had dedicated even the silver and the gold and all the utensils, and put them in the treasuries of the house of God. Israel had looked to Jerusalem for their governmental leadership after the first seven years of David's reign. Now it was to Jerusalem that they looked for what they believed would be the permanent center of their spiritual life and guidance. In the scriptures we find the city being called by terms that indicates its spiritual significance. It is often called the city of God. It is also called the holy city. In recording certain events in the life of the Lord, that term is prevalent. For example, in the temptation of the Lord found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 5 says, Then the devil took him into the holy city, and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. Looking at Matthew chapter 27, verses 51 through 53, that describes events after the death of the Lord, we find these words, And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. But to think that once again, the holy city would become desolate as it had in the days of Jeremiah. It's just so sad. 
But that is what happened. We consider the lament of Jeremiah about the city. What about the Lord's found in Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 and 38? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. It makes me think once again of how the book of Lamentation begins. How lonely sits the city that was once full of people. Jerusalem, my friends, was the birthplace of the church. In Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 16 we find, Therefore, thus says the Lord, I will return to Jerusalem with compassion. My house will be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and a measuring line will be stretched over Jerusalem. This prophecy dealt with more than simply the physical temple of the Jews. It foretold a spiritual house, referred to in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 as the household of God, which is the church of the living God. The great prophet Isaiah revealed both the time and place for the church's beginning in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Isaiah wrote, Now it will come about that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Jesus made similar promises to his apostles. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, we find him saying, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Again, looking at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we find, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the most remotest part of the earth. I think most know what happened. Turning to Acts chapter 2, we'll read select verses. Verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Verse 4 tells us, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Verses 16 and 17 says, But this is that which was spoken through the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my Spirit upon all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Down in verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom ye crucified. In verse 38, And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And finally, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. In Jerusalem, in the last days, the church of the Lord began just as it had been promised. So, beginning in Jerusalem, the church grew quickly, developing the numbers that were necessary to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, like we are instructed in Mark 16 and verse 15. From 3,000 on Pentecost, the number grew to 5,000 men, according to Acts chapter 4 and verse 4. That is not including women. Acts chapter 5 and verse 14 tells us, And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number. Acts chapter 7 and verse 7 says, And the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. When the persecution finally drove many followers of the Lord out of Jerusalem, what did they do? They went everywhere preaching the word. The church in Jerusalem sent many preachers to other places, and Paul would even write that the Gentiles owed the city, the saints in Jerusalem, a spiritual debt. It is a pretty interesting and fascinating story about Jerusalem. But what about Jerusalem now? How lonely sits the city. A Muslim mosque, the Dome of the Rock, sits on the site where the Jewish temple once stood. That the Islamic religion should dominate in the holy city is very sad. Believing that only Allah is God and that Mohammed is his prophet, the Muslims reject the redemptive message of the gospel of Christ. They do not believe in the salvation for which Jesus died. They do not believe in the God of the Bible, regardless of what many may say. Nor do they believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the one through whom God speaks today. Jerusalem, the holy city of the Jews, is once again controlled by a Jewish government. But the dominance of the Jewish religion is evident. Jesus said to the Jews of his day in John chapter 8, verse 34, I said therefore to you that you shall die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. He said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The apostles testified to the Jews in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus was and he is the Messiah or the Christ of Jewish prophecy. For the most part, they rejected him some 2,000 years ago and for the most part continue to do so today. So in Jerusalem, the city of David, the city of God, the holy city, both Muslims and Jews reject Jesus as both Lord and Christ. But now, Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 to 24. The Hebrew writer wrote the following words, But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, 
and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. This isn't a place, it is people, and we are those people, described in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 as living stones. My friends, we don't have to depend upon the physical city of Jerusalem for spiritual life. We are not dependent upon a specific city as the center of our religious life because our citizenship is in heaven, according to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. When the word of the Lord is preached, believed, and obeyed, another living stone is added to the city of the living God, just like it has been taking place for some 2,000 years. It is sad, but true, that for the most part physical Jerusalem is desolate spiritually. However, whatever happens this day in this city of the living God, of which we are all a part, will never become desolate again, because Jesus promised, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Thank you for listening.